audience to see the variety and variation of age groups. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And of course, you'll no, probably notice that as you uh, was part of the worship and saw the, the, the music that was up there, it's, it's, it's the next generation. And yet, how powerful and how profound. Saying the same thing that my generation said only with, you know, this little different slant on it. Talking about the grace of God, talking about the awesomeness of God, talking about, you know what I mean, the, the power of God. It, what an amazing thing to have a generation that's go ahead and setting their sails. Next generation. Now that we've running off a scene or leaving, but we're looking at tomorrow, just like God looks at tomorrow. Not here just to accommodate ourselves, but we're here to raise up another generation. So thank you for being part of that. Thank you for being open to that. Thank you for being an encourager. See, the church is really just a family. Just really a family. It's made up of a variety of people, but still a family. And the energy and the efforts of a natural family is always put into the generation that's coming up and growing. You work to feed their mouths. You set aside to educate them. You ask them, you know, what do you want for supper? Not what you want for supper. That's the neat thing about mom. Always dad, catering. We must not divorce that from the church. We must improve on it. So... Thank you for doing that. I want to talk to you this morning. We've been doing a number of things, and, and you know, uh, uh, we really believe in a bright future. Now, we don't, we're not saying, you know what I mean, that, you know, we're looking to be millionaires, you know, where it's categorized down to just a, you know, money factor. But when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have a more abundantly, we actually believe that. That there's a way of living, and for, for what we live for makes a difference in how we feel about life. And that when Jesus Christ comes into your heart, he is life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We've got to hold a life. See, prior to that, we were breathing. We're walking around. Almost doing things that 
kind of like the animal kingdom. <laughs> but when Jesus comes, he awakens something in us. And that awakening is, is life. Life not just as a breath of life, but life, as John said, that eternal life that was with the Father is now given to us. So with that thought in mind, this morning I want to talk about seven things that God wants for your life. Seven things God wants for your life. See, I don't necessarily care to spend a whole lot of time about how bad things are. I'd rather talk about how good things can be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I don't dare tell you how old I am, otherwise you'd ask me to retire. <laughs> but life's good. Life is good. Oh, it's got, you know, it has its issues. But without issues, you don't have victories. You'd get bored if everything was good all the time one way. Because your life has a lot of variables to it, you know, keeps you sharp. Well, before we look at about seven things that God wants for your life, God spoke to my heart this morning, and, and you see if you agree with me. He said, we need to stop the crime wave that's happening in people's lives. Stop the crime wave. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief doesn't come but to steal, to kill, and destroy. He says there's a crime wave that he's endeavoring to set up and, you know, conduct in your life. There must be two sides to the thing because he said, he's come for a crime wave, I've come for a life wave. I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. So there's two waves. And God wants us to get on the life wave and break the crime wave. Because when he says steal, that's what he's talking about. He says he comes to steal. Gotta learn how to stop the stealing. So he says, the thief. The thief. The word thief is klepto, where you get kleptomaniac. It's a picture of a bandit, a pickpocket. A thief that is so artful at his craft that he's able to do his exploits and it isn't until after that he has left that you even notice that it's gone. 
so undetectable that when you reach for it, it's only then that you discover that it is gone. What time is it and you reach for the normal watch that's on your hand and you discover that somehow someone has picked your watch? I hope nobody's ever had that happen, but I know it happens. That's what he's saying. The thief. He's a pickpocket. He's so cunning and so crafty. Now we're not giving him space there and some kind of honor. We're just letting you know what the Bible says he's like. Don't be ignorant of his devices. He often accomplishes goals before we even know that it's happened. He injects thoughts into your mind in order to steal your peace. He'll ransack something in order to delete your joy. He will move in your world to such a degree that, it, that he will endeavor to ch- challenge your beliefs. You think it's just, you know, wandering thoughts. And it's the thief trying to steal. So he said, got to stop that, the crime wave. Now, I can't give you all the keys because there's so many and there, there are things that you've got to learn, but, but, you know, the Bible does give us a, a detective role. Said if you're going to have thought lives, have good ones. If you're going to think about your neighbor, have good thoughts about your neighbor. If you're going to have plans, have good plans. Somebody help me out here. That's right. You got to have good plans. Anything honorable? Anything just? Anything that's worthy of thinking on? Think on these things, he said. So he, you know what I mean? He's saying, you know, there's an activity that needs to go on in your mind so that he can't pickpocket and steal your... Then he says that he also comes to kill. Now, this might surprise you this morning what that means. The Greek word, and you don't have to be, a, you know, Greek theology to discover all this. I'm telling it to you, all right? <laughs> but it, it means to kill. But it has to do with Getting you to sacrifice. 
It is normally thought about when they would kill the animal for sacrifice, but it can mean he works to get you to to surrender, to give up something that is precious and dear to you. He comes to steal, to kill, to get you to give it up. If he hasn't already walked away with everything that you hold dear and precious in your life, he will then try to convince you that you need to sacrifice it or give it up. He disguises himself as though it's the voice of God. It's precious to you, it's dear to you, and yet he will make it seem like it is, you know, a worthy thing to do. Because he does not want you blessed. Stressful situations that cause you to conclude that your only solution is to sacrifice those things that you dearly love. That's why knowing the voice of God, that's why knowing being acquainted with the Word of God, the plan of God, I tell people, if you want to know, you know what I mean, who's saying what and what, they're saying is right or not. Does it violate the nature of God? Does it violate the character of God? Woo! Hallelujah! If it violates the nature of God, if it violates the character of God, I would look close at the voice that's telling you to sacrifice what you love what God has given you. Or stop the crime wave. Then he says he, he comes to destroy. A paloma is the Greek word meaning to destroy. In other words, even if you're still at it, you still have it, he wants to ruin it. He wants to trash it. He wants to devastate it. He wants to take the blessing part out of it. Let me read an expanded version of John chapter 10. The thief wants to get his hands into every good thing in your life. In fact, this pickpocket is looking for an opportunity to wiggle his way so deeply into your personal affairs that he can walk off with everything you hold precious and dear. And that's not all. When he's finished stealing all your goods and possessions, he will take his plan to rob you blind to the next level. He will create conditions and situations so horrible that you'll see no way to solve the problem except to sacrifice everything that remains from his previous attacks. 
The goal of this thief is to totally waste and devastate your life. If nothing stops him, he'll leave you insolvent, flat broke, cleaned out in every area of your life. You'll end up feeling as if you are finished and out of business. Make no mistake, the enemy's ultimate aim is to obliterate your life. Jesus told us that. Jesus said that's why he comes. But then he begins to emphasize, I want to tell you why I have come. I've come that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. You know, that's what I love about youth and songs, et cetera, that uh, coming up in the church today is, you know, is there's hope and there's dreams connected to it. There's future. And you know when God started this thing, the first thing he did after he went ahead and made it was go ahead and plan for its future. That's right. God planned for the future. Genesis chapter 1, 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion. Isn't it interesting what God is saying there? He went ahead and he's, he's made this. And he goes, says, I want more just like you. He brings Adam on, Eve out. I want more just like you. <laughs> Come on, the devil's, the devil's went ahead and put you down. You don't think that God's interested or, the, or what you are. You know what I mean? That God doesn't have a future with re, regarding you. That you, He's not interested in you as an individual. You're wrong. God says, I want more just like you. He did not want all Don Chelsea's. We'd have a tough time getting along with each other. Every one of you would. You don't want another you. God made a woman to be able to get along with you. He gave her the grace. Probably only one person's got the grace to do it. God doesn't want another one just like you. God's built a pass-along principle into his creation. When he started life, he included a positive future. He secured the positive future. He went ahead and addressed all the enemies that you have in life. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you know, as he goes ahead and skips them all, but lets us know there's all kinds of them, but he said, 
The one that was most difficult was death. And he said, I went ahead and I took care of it for you. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So when he says the last enemy destroyed, he's saying there's all kinds of enemies before it. But I'm going to go ahead and, you know, if I'll take care of the last one, I'll take care of all the others too. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Jeremiah the prophet said this in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Passage of scripture that was, that was written in the most difficult and, you know, trying times. A situation that was self-created. Come on, church. Listen. God brings promises in, you know what I mean? Not in ideal situations, but into, you know, seemingly self-created situations to give us hope and says, I've got a plan for you. It's not working too good for you right now. A decision that you made, you know, you have arrived here, but I'm going to give you some good news. The plans of the Lord stands forever. The first plan he made is the last plan. Hallelujah. The same. I wonder if you'd, if I could stop right here and, you know, particularly to the young people. Hell, everybody, but young people. Can you accept right now, can you believe that God wants more just like you? What is, or what has went ahead and, you know what I mean? What has the pickpocket done? What has he taken from you that you don't feel that you register on God's scale? The future is not just for a few good Christians, quote, unquote. The future is for every sinner. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What does he do? He addresses us in our worst condition. And reaches out the hand of hope. Baby, it's going to take some encouragement, and I'm here to do that this morning to encourage you. See, encouragement is part of it, it's not off the charts. Moses, the great leader, he didn't reach the epitome of leadership overnight.
He started out as feeling like he was a failure. And yesterday's call was no longer today's call. God had to go ahead and begin to interrupt his thought processes, his life analysis. Whom I, he says, I don't measure up, I don't qualify. I blew it, God. God knows you did. Oh, God wants more just like you. So what does God want for your life? It's not profound, but it's something you can have to start believing so you can start walking. God wants to give you a bright future. God wants to bless you. But he can't do it alone. You have to want him to bless you. You have to sing us the old timer's song, and you know, it will still fit today. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Simple. Jesus came. Because there was a need. Jesus is still coming because there is a need. He said the whole are those that are healthy, those that, you know, don't have a need. They don't have a need of a physician. We don't go to the doctor's office just to go to the doctor's office. We go because there's a need. Call on to me and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things that you don't know of. God doesn't want you to hold on to your past. He wants you to move forward to your future. And this is not a pep talk, church. This is the Bible. This is not psychology. This is the word of God. Job said in Job chapter 11, verse 14, you will, sec- you will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take rest because there is safety. We 
It is true that it's our human nature as we focus on our shortcomings. The enemy wants us to, you know, spend a lot of time with our mistakes. But God wants you to forget your mess-ups. He wants you to push forward. I'm not going to stand here and tell you about some of my mess-ups. Because Paul said I should forget them. <laughs> forget them, he said, and start pressing forward. Get something before you. Look ahead. Get something positive out there. You can do it because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe you didn't start so good, but let's go ahead and finish strong. The Apostle Paul started out opposing the truth, but he finished running with the truth. God wants generations to be positively, positively affected by you. Not only a good future, but he, he wants generations to be affected by you positively. How many remember, and I'm not going to ask you to tell me all of them, but someone, and I mentioned a little bit in the thing, but someone, I know I've talked to my, my kids, and they've, all, they've told me about a teacher that had a, 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 an impact in their life, an influence in their life, a positive influence. I think my daughter became a math teacher because of a, a math teacher. God wants us to be an inspiration to the following generations. And you know that it's possible for the purposes that sometimes your parents may not have accomplished. But the blessing is still there and God is looking to make it possible in their life and in the life of their kids. Things that will work for you. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. And this is what he mentioned. Four generations. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he says, The things which, which you, talking to Timothy, that's the second generation, have heard from me, that's the first generation, in the presence of many witnesses. These entrust to faithful men, that's the third generation, who will be able to teach others, that's the Fourth generation. And so Paul says, you know, there's four generations. It's coming out of this, this one man's life. Succeeding generations. To possibly affect the generation. Because those gifts of God passed down through generations 
they can work for you. Remember the faith that was in your grandmother, in your mother, and now in you. Can I tell you something? I always wanted to play piano. You don't want to hear me play piano. I mean, you know, I like to hear me play, but I know I'm, that's not my gift. But I always wanted to play piano. But I went ahead and, you know, number one, I didn't think, I don't think I had the gift. Number two, I didn't go ahead and try hard enough. Well, now I have a son who's one of the most talented piano players there is. So a dream that I had now has been fulfilled in, in him. I quit. He didn't. But passing it down from generation to generation, the the deposit that you get is not automatic. It must be engaged. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, stir up the gift that is within you. If he's put a gift in you, if he's given you a talent, if he's went ahead and, and somehow deposited something that can be beneficial... You've got to go ahead and work with it. It's not automatic. We've got to close. We can have a great day today. So you have to come back for the rest. Ask my musicians to come. Let me, I don't know all of the senior citizens here, the grandpas and grandmas, but, you know, across here, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your faith. I want to I thank you for your stand for God. I want to thank you for, you know, living for Jesus. I want to thank you for the faith that you had, you kept, and you passed on. I want to thank you for, you know, touching the generations. When I grew up, I'm still growing up if you ask my wife. <laughs> but I remember my Sunday school teachers. Every one of them were gray-headed. You know? I don't know why it is. I have to wait till we're gray-headed to teach Sunday school. I want to call some lack of gray hair people forward. Not this morning, but we need some Sunday school teachers. We need some workers. Paul encouraged Timothy. He said, you need to start making an impact with your life right now. Start making an impact with your life right now. Stir up the gift that that God has given you. Find a place that'll, you know what I mean, can be operative and work it. It's, it can really make a difference in the, in the future. 
Those Sunday school teachers all went on to be with the Lord. But I am here, and my family's here. And remember when I had parents that believed, but I had a church that believed in the next generation. I had a church that really to invest and have a positive impact in what was coming down the road. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't look like much at three, four. You even look worse when you get in the teenage bracket. Right? Come on. What are we going to do with this generation? My goodness, they, the way they think, the way they do. I mean, they're as lost as... <laughs> You're right, sister? <laughs> I doesn't look like much at various times. But as the seed of faith grows and the deposit of Jesus Christ develops, I'm not the greatest, but I'm not the worst either. Now, I could have some amens out of that from my congregation. <laughs> uh, forgive me, folks. They didn't respond very well with that, did they? No, uh-uh. We need to have a session with them because I'm not the greatest, but I'm not the worst either. <laughs> Stand with me. <laughs> oh, church, I think God is saying, won't you invest? Once you have a positive influence in the lives, because somebody did in yours. Hallelujah. Generations, generations. The norm has been, well, let's step back and let's let's let them learn no let's step in and help them learn what's our song I gotta close I'll stop preaching and start meddling you know <laughs> oh but God when he set this thing in motion, he determined that though the enemy would come and try to do his work, God says, I'm going to come and do my work too. I'm going to do my work. You're looking in to the eyes of the future. The eyes of the future. God says life's got to go on. Death is happening. Trouble is also, you know, everywhere. Don't make any difference. Fear not. 
I've overcome it. And I want you to overcome it also. Believe in hope, pray in hope, sing in hope, live in hope. Hallelujah. Because God is hope. Would you think about if there's a crime wave that's happening over and over in your life that you'd think about getting help in order to stop it. Stop the crime wave. And then would you believe that God wants more just like you. God wants more just like you. If you can't say this morning that I fought a good fight, I finished, I've kept the faith, I'm now ready to be Departed. In other words, if you haven't got a call from God, a memo from heaven and say you're going home, then you're still on the fighting line and still part of the impacting generation. Don't stop running until you've crossed the finish line. Amen. Give the Lord a praise and then love one another. Praise God and happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BibleCTR.